I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Man, I feel like we have so much to catch up on since our show last week. I don't know why it feels like forever ago since we chatted. So I'm going to take these first few minutes before we head over to today's interview with Beth Manos Bricky. It's a great conversation, you guys. You are going to love it. But I do have a few updates first before we get started. And I think the most exciting update I have for you is the fact that we have a podcast group over on Facebook now. So one of my intentions for this year was to create, or I should say is to create more of a community. We already have such an incredible community and I wanted to Make it more intimate, you know? You feel me? So I thought it would be such a fun idea to kind of gather over on Facebook. Now, I'm not a huge Facebook person. I don't go on Facebook and scroll, scroll, scroll and read everyone's status updates and things like that. But I do really love Facebook for the group's and what we're able to do within those groups. Now, if you are a member of the Nourished and Free Collective, you know we have our very own private Facebook group where a lot of action takes place in there every single day. So I wanted to create one of these intimate private groups for our podcast crew. And that's kind of exactly what we called it. So I pulled you guys over on Instagram, which is my absolute favorite social media platform. But like I said, there's something about Facebook where these groups are just so much fun to gather in and connect with each other in. So I pulled you guys and one of you actually gave me the idea to call it the Unbreakable You Crew. So I used that and our Facebook group is called the Unbreakable You Podcast Crew. So if you'd like to be a part of that group on Facebook, believe we already have over a hundred members in there, which happened within the first day or so. That so that was exciting to me. And I know we'll have hundreds of more of you gather in there with me over the next few weeks and months. But if you're not yet part of our Facebook group, just go on Facebook and you can search the Unbreakable You Podcast Crew and it'll come up and I'll just approve you to be a member in there. I'm so excited to connect with you more there. And we actually have a announcement post where I'm encouraging all of you guys to 
introduce yourself, maybe share something about yourself where you live and then something else quirky or something like that. I'd love to hear from you and just connect with you over there. So that is the number one exciting thing that I had to share with you this week that is new. And next week I will have an even bigger announcement for you. So really excited for that. I'm going to keep you on your toes for that for the time being. Hint, hint. It's website related. You all know I've been slaving away, helping Scott on getting my website ready. So there, drop the ball for you. Next week at this time, my website will be ready for you all to view on your own. So really excited for that, but we'll wait for that. That's not quite ready yet. And we'll cut over to this week's episode with Beth Manos Bricky. And Beth is just such a great friend of mine. We chat about how we connected over Instagram throughout the years. And she's always just been one of my favorite, real down to earth friends from Instagram. And I actually had the pleasure of sitting down with her and recording an episode for her podcast, the Between Meals podcast. So if you'd like to hear an interview with me for a change, you can go check out her podcast called the Between Meals podcast and just search for the one or look for the one with me, Meg Dahl, in the episode and you'll find it there. But today, Beth is on my show. And I'm so excited for you all to just listen and learn from her. She has been through her own healing and diet journey and just overcoming like that diet mentality and really sitting with that trust within herself. And there's just so many goodies about how she really navigated like diet culture and came back home to herself, learned what trusting herself actually looks and feels like. So really excited for you guys to learn from Beth. So let's cut over to the interview. And remember, as always, if you're listening to the show and you're loving it, I really, really love when you take a screenshot or take a picture of your surroundings wherever you are, post it on social media, tag me and let me know that you're listening to the show. I love chatting with you guys. Thank you so much. And don't forget to join our brand new Facebook group. Hey, Beth, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be sitting down with you today. I've been waiting for this. I am too. And to to double up back to back you on my show a couple weeks ago and now me on yours. This is super exciting. We just talk every week now. I know. I know I'm going to miss you. We'll just have to schedule that, right? Seriously. I know that is what my friends and I do. You know, so we have to like add you to that list of regular Zoom chats for sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, so I gave you a little bit of an intro before we cut over to our conversation today. But can you just tell everyone who you are and what you're all about? Because 
I have been loving you so much for how many, I don't even know how I first found you. Obviously it was on Instagram, but what led me to you? I don't know, but I'm so happy that like I connected with you and now we're friends. So can you just introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Beth Manos Bricky. I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I am a restorative wellness practitioner. I am a 500 hour certified yoga instructor and a mindfulness teacher. Um, those are kind of like my certifications and my credentials. Uh, but the kind of backstory on who I am and how I got to where I'm at, um, I started my website Tasty Yummies. It's coming up on 10 years this April, which is kind of mind-blowing to me. I have no idea how that happened. Um, And it started as a hobby. It started as me sharing my personal journey of healing my body through food as medicine and really focusing on all of the different pillars of health and learning to trust myself along the way. And of course, it started very surface level where I was sharing my recipes because people were like, whoa, you changed your diet and your health and so much about how you're living your life. And this was in 2010 and I had already been gluten-free for five years and people are like, hold on, you're not really eating processed foods and you're driving two hours to get your meat and you don't do dairy and sugar and like, who, who are you, what are you doing? And it makes no sense and what the hell are you eating mostly? So it started as just a, an archive of the recipes I was creating and then like so many, like myself, so many people started finding the work and doing the work and learning how to heal their body and wanting to know more. And besides sharing my personal experiences and what I had been through in my own healing journey, I just really saw this opportunity and it really lit me up besides having this whole other career that I loved and brought me so much joy. I really loved helping people. I loved guiding people through this journey and teaching them what I knew. And I wanted to do it with a level of um, credibility and education and research and knowledge and science-backed goodness so that it wasn't just personal experiences. And that's when I went back to school to become a, a nutritional therapist and kind of grew everything I was doing and transitioned at some point over to this being my full-time job. And now it's evolved into not just recipes, but there's health and healing articles and I have my podcast and I have videos and you know, there's all these different things I do. And I see one-on-one clients, a small amount of people, and I do group coaching. So I have my hands and my hands, my, I have my hands on a lot of fires. I don't know that that's the right way to say it, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm doing a lot. There's a lot of things going on, but it all brings me so much joy. And and it's so nice to be able to support people at different places in their journey. Mm -hmm. And I can totally just like feel and see you lighting up when you describe your work. So that's amazing. But also, I did not realize that it you started your blog in 2010. That's incredible. That was seriously like when it began, really. Yeah. yeah. There were part of why I started it was I so I had to go gluten free in 2005. I discovered I had a severe gluten intolerance. And in 2005, there may be what I don't think there were any real blogs focused on gluten free. Um, there were maybe a couple cookbooks and it was all garbage and it was like soy flour and rice flour and everything tasted like cardboard. And I really had to relearn how to cook. Um, and then by the time 2010 had come around, that's when I had really already seen the effects of eliminating gluten and how it affected my health. And that's kind of what got me down this like, um, rabbit hole, if you will, of like, Oh, wow, if this affects my health in this way, how are all these, 
processed foods that are quote unquote gluten free and quote unquote healthy, like how are they affecting my body? Um, and I really wasn't able to find the recipes that, that I was looking for online. And so I just, I wanted to be able to put it out there for people at a time when I, I knew that there were other people struggling with what I was struggling with, but yeah, it was kind of the wild west back in 2010. Like seriously, I mean, I had a lifestyle blog in 2010 and those were the days where you were blogging like seven days a week and had thousands of people looking at your blog every day. And it's just like not the same anymore. That's incredible that you started way back then. But I mean, your recipes are incredible. So everyone head to Tasty Yummies for sure. Yay. So I just absolutely love your approach to food. And Beth, something that you say a lot is keep your eyes on your own plate. And I knew when you came on my podcast, I wanted to talk to you about that. And maybe before we even start talking about what that actually means, like how has your relationship with food kind of transformed over the years? You said you had to go gluten-free in 2005, which was, you know, before a lot of people even knew what being gluten-free was. So I can only imagine that your relationship with food really took some like twists and turns over the years. Yeah, for sure. That puts it very lightly. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it today for some reason, because I'm, I'm creating some new content and programs and group coaching programs. And I was just thinking about all of the years that my relationship with food has changed. Um, I think in 2005, going gluten-free, like, because nobody was talking about it, I had never heard of anybody, and there was no, you know, of course, dieting was a thing then, but it was like, fat was bad, count your calories, and that's all any of us worried about, right? Like, we didn't know certain foods made certain people feel certain ways, Um, and I had struggled for a long time. I had a very compromised immune system from the time I was an infant through my 20s into my early 30s, like I just was always sick, always struggling, every illness. And granted, I realized that in a lot of ways, I'm I'm fortunate. I was never hospitalized. There was never anything that severe, but I was always sick. Every major milestone moment in my life is clouded by an illness because of stress and because of the compromised immune system. So our wedding, I was on steroids and antibiotics. I had upper respiratory infections and sinus infections and like you name it. And I've I've had um, the swine flu, like every flu and cold that ever used to come through, I would get, and I wouldn't just get sick for a week. I would get sick for months and then I would be put on antibiotics and then everything would kind of spiral from there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of hit my breaking point in 2005. I was like, something's not right. Like I have two sisters who aren't this sick. I have plenty of family members who aren't this sick. Like I know tons of friends who don't eat as well as I do and they're not this sick. What is going on? Uh, I grew up in a household where we ate real home cooked food. We weren't eating sugar and junk food and soda and processed foods. My mom cooked dinner every night. My dad cooked dinner every night. We didn't have sweets. So I was doing a lot, quote unquote, right. And so I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom and never even thought that how I was eating was possibly affecting my body. Um, so a really good close friend of our families is a uh, holistic chiropractor, very rooted in ancestral and traditional health. And I kind of went to her, I was just like, I don't understand why I'm always sick, what's going on? And so she kind of worked me through 
you know, at the time, I think we called it a cleanse or a detox, but essentially what it was, was a 30 day elimination diet. And it, because she was a chiropractor and she had access to supplements, there were certainly some supplements I was taking to, I don't even know at this point, it was 2005, but it was all in the up and up. It wasn't just like some sort of Amway scam. Like she really kind of walked me through it, a traditional elimination diet, cutting out all common allergens and then, you know, slowly reintroducing them. And at the end of the 30 days, I felt amazing. And I was like, huh, I didn't realize how horrible I was feeling. And then we tried to reintroduce foods and gluten was like instantaneous. It was like, oh, like just explosive level everything. Like I had no idea. I was, and I was in full denial because I didn't want to give up the foods I loved. And I didn't believe that one food could have this great of an impact on my body. Um, so I fought it for about two weeks and then I was like, nope, I actually feel like garbage. And I cut it out and it was very easy because I kind of had such clarity on how horrible I had been feeling and how good I could feel that cutting it out, there was no guilt. There was no shame. There was no diet mentality. It was like, I feel like shit when I eat this and when I don't, I feel better. And that was kind of like, in a lot of ways, it was pivotal. It taught me a lot about how food isn't inherently bad or good. It just might not be right for me in this moment. Um, but then kind of fast forward and as, Life went on, like while I had a remedy of a lot of the symptoms I had been experiencing, I still kind of wasn't at my best. I still was struggling with chronic migraines, chronic acne, chronic digestive issues, a lack of energy and vitality. And so that's when I kind of like started peeling back the layers of the onion a little bit more and being like, oh, um, but I'm ever the Gretchen Rubin type, uh, a rebel, um, very much so. And so I remember when I first started hearing about the autoimmune protocol and paleo and was seeing the internet a buzz with people getting results. And because I'm such a rebel tendency, I was like, no, no, I don't need to cut out more. I'm already cutting out gluten. It's hard enough. Like nobody's going to tell me what to eat and how to eat. Um, and I kind of ran the other direction. And I would say in a lot of ways it hurt me because it took me a long time to kind of come back to that sort of foundational approach to eating and being like, oh, <laughs> maybe this isn't working for me, but I had to find it on my own, right? Like I needed to know on my own that it wasn't right. Um, and so I think because a lot of my time with food outside of this gluten intolerance realization, like there were those moments, like a lot of other women where I was strictly seeing food as a reward for a day done right or a workout done right or a punishment because I didn't deserve it. And so there were many times in my journey from early teens until somewhere in my thirties where food was this thing that I was controlling because of my body and how my body looked. And I saw things like paleo and AIP as an extension of that. I didn't understand that these could be two different approaches to food and eating. I was just like, don't tell me what to eat. I don't have a problem. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And meanwhile, I was feeling worse and worse and worse because I couldn't even fathom cutting out certain foods because I didn't wanna go into some sort of diet mindset. Um, so I'm kind of rambling here, but the, the long and the short of it is, is that there was a lot of ups and downs in learning that just because somebody tells me a food is bad, quote unquote, doesn't mean it's bad for me. And just because a food is right for me right now doesn't mean it will be in a few months. And there was a lot of learning in that time, learning to quiet out the noise of other people, learning that not everything to do with our food is diet culture, mm. learning that I get to make my own rules despite what has worked for somebody else. But 
I can't stress enough how many years of work and ups and downs and mistakes and ignoring things and going into things that I had no business going into, it took for me to really kind of adjust that relationship. And you know this about me, but I just turned 40 and I can't believe how much I know now about the kind of relationship I can have with food and the kind of relationship I can have with my body and eating um, that I wish I'd found a long time ago, but it's a journey, right? I mean, we kind of have to figure it out along the way. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I can't believe that you're 40 because you don't look 40. <laughs> oh my gosh, Beth. So crazy. You are like probably the least looking 40 year old that I know. That's for sure. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm not just Thank saying you. that. Seriously. I appreciate it. It <laughs> makes me happier. So. <laughs> well, it's a compliment, but I mean, it's come, it's true. Um, so, wow. So much to talk about, but it does sound like you were really wrapped up in diet mentality for a while. And that was kind of one of your barriers from actually taking better care of yourself and nourishing your body in the way that it was kind of like asking you to be nourished because you were afraid of that diet mentality and you were like, no, I'm not going on a diet. So I know a lot of our listeners that are listening to us today also struggle a lot with diet mentality. And what were maybe some of like the biggest changes that you did in your life to really start dissolving that diet mentality that you were holding so strongly to? Yeah, Um, I think a lot of it is being honest with yourself. So, you know, kind of reversing back to 2010 when I did start Tasty Yummies, and I'm very honest about this. When I started initially, it was uh, October of 20, uh, 2009, I turned 30. I saw photos of me at my 30th birthday and I, I shit you not. I remember looking at them the day after my surprise 30th birthday that my husband threw for me and all my friends and family were there. And I remember looking at the photos and fully sobbing, fully sobbing because not only was I looking at a person that I was like, who is she? Like very physically, it was very vain. I was just like, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. Like I'm 30 years old and this happened so effortlessly. What's 40 going to look like? And what's 50 going to look like? But that in that moment, I also was like, fine. I don't love the way I look, but I feel like shit. Like I felt like straight up garbage. I had normalized all of these things I had been experiencing like I said, I got a lot of remedy of my symptoms when going gluten-free, but then as processed foods and foods of convenience popped back up, I just started eating all of them because I was so mm. excited. It was so hard to be able to have pizza and cookies. So I ate all of that. I couldn't stop myself because I felt so restricted for so long and so alone that I ate it all. And then my symptoms got worse again and my everything was kind of flaring up again. So I'm very honest with people that I started this journey. Like everything I'm doing right now started with me wanting to lose weight. I didn't like my body and I was like, I wanna change it. And I feel like shit, but the feel like shit was very secondary. Um, And I share this very honestly because I think a lot of women feel shame. I think they feel ashamed that they maybe don't love their body right now or that they want to change it. Or maybe they do wanna see some fat loss and that that's not allowed anymore. 
So I really like to be honest with people that I started there and it wasn't until I started to see how much better I could feel and that, yeah, my body was holding onto this excess fat, but that was just a symptom of a larger problem. That was a byproduct of my body being under chronic inflammation, my digestion being a complete mess, my blood sugar and energy levels and adrenals being completely out of balance. Um, and so I lost 45 pounds in the process of making these changes. And of course I was excited. It was a, it was a goal for me. Um, but when I got quiet and realized that like, yeah, that was awesome. I was looking for that. That was part of my goal. But what was even more amazing was how great I felt. And when I could kind of take a step back and be like, okay, if everything in my life changed right now and I had to give up and put the weight back on my body or put more weight on or, or my body composition was changing again or I felt the way I did before I made these changes. Like what was more important to me? And it really started to shift and it didn't shift overnight. But as time went on, I was like, I'm not willing to feel like that anymore. I'm not willing to look at myself and feel like getting up off of the couch is the hardest thing in the world and walking with my dogs and my husband was the most in, intense amount of energy that I could find. That's not a fun way to live my life. And on top of that, of course, not loving your body changes how you show up in the world. But even more than that, when you're constantly tired and you don't feel well, you're not a great partner. You're not mm -hmm. a good friend. You're not a good support per, uh, system for people in your life. Um, so I think a lot of what we can do is kind of be honest with ourselves and be okay with what the answers are because there are no right or wrong answers. Like you're not a bad person if you want to see some changes in one direction or the other with your body. And you're also not a bad person if you make changes to how you're eating for that reason. But you also need to be very clear and really understand like it's really not the only reason. None of us just think I'd like to lose 40 pounds because that's what I should look like. I don't want to feel like shit. I don't want to feel like garbage. I don't want to feel like my joints are aching. Um, and so I think, you know, really getting, being honest with yourself and being okay with the answer and checking in. Because the other thing is, is I started with that being one of my major goals. And when, you know, I had this fear when these other approaches and, and interventions popped up into my consciousness. I had this fear that I was going to go into a hole of dieting, that I was going to go into a hole of needing to feel perfect or eat perfect. But I, what that came from is that I wasn't trusting myself. I wasn't mm. trusting all the work I had put in to get to the place that I knew that that's not what was going to happen. That I actually really, truly did and made all these decisions because I love myself enough that I knew I deserved to feel incredible. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm so happy you brought up trust because, I mean, for me personally, that's something that I had struggled with for years. And I think it wasn't until until me working to get my period back and actually getting it back like throughout that year of me working towards that goal for myself that was finally when I was like wow this is trusting my body and it's yeah. so like okay and it's safe to trust my body and I have my own journey of building self-trust that I've shared with everyone before but I mean we can never talk enough about building that loving trusting relationship with us because we've spent so many years of our lives like being conditioned and told that we're not able to trust our bodies so what did that process look like for you Beth yeah um 
I think it, there's a lot of steps and it's super layered. You know, I think it's like anything in life. And, you know, not only is it getting quiet and being really honest with yourself and having that awareness, you know, to even have these conversations to like, why am I doing this? What is it that I really want? Right? Like we don't, we sometimes just go through the motions and sometimes as women, especially we think, well, I have to go to the gym because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I should want to lose weight because I shouldn't like that my body weighs this much. Like when you get into those questions or when you get into those places where you ask these questions and you actually listen to what the answers are, I think that that gives you some clarity to, to know, like I started to be so afraid. I was so afraid that I was drifting in even in recent years, as I made other changes to my health, anytime I fear that, Oh my God, in my diet culture, Oh my God, is this into diet mentality? Oh my God, am I falling down a rabbit hole? All I have to do is say, why am I doing this right now? What do I want? Why am I limiting my carbohydrates in the first half of the day? Because if I don't, I feel like shit. Mm. It's not because my belly's fatter or it makes me heavier or lighter. I feel like actual garbage if I eat a lot of carbohydrates before the evening hours. That's it. But it's weird because it's messy and it's there's so much noise that we start to we start to lose control or excuse me, we start to lose connection with ourselves and we start to think everything is rooted in control and we forget that we can trust ourselves to make the right decisions, right? Mm. Like we just, everything is about the outside source. Um, so I think the biggest thing I would say is it's practicing. It's having these conversations and this awareness with yourself to know why you're doing the things that you're doing and what it is that you want. And then it comes back to the thing that we all know to be true across every area of our life and it's practice. It's just, you gotta keep doing it. It's like riding a bike. You can't trust yourself one day and then the very next day, double down on restriction and control and think that trust is gonna win when you only give it like an ounce of your attention once a week. No, every day you have to double down on the trust and let the control fall away and let the restriction fall away. Um, and then I would say the other thing for me is as a control freak, as the type A, as somebody who doesn't like to be told what to do, but likes some level of being in control of my life, I had to kind of get quiet and also like look at my life and figure out where I could loosen my grip. Like where was I holding on so tight that trust wasn't even allowed in, that it wasn't even allowing the opportunity to have those conversations with myself because I was just, you know, tight gripping, white knuckling it and just hoping everything would work out. Um, so I think loosening my grip and learning that everything's going to be okay was a huge thing. Um, so for me, I think those are the biggest moments in my journey of like really seeing the difference between control and trust, right? Yeah, yeah. And I love what you said about like the why, like why am I doing this? Because that can literally change everything you know I can be doing the exact same actions as you for a totally different reason and one of them might be for like one of us might be doing it for a very healthy loving reason and the other one of us might be doing it out of restriction and control and that diet mentality for sure so can we talk about how confusing it can get with like diet culture and anti-diet culture because I feel like with those two things especially if you're like on social media and if you follow any type of account that's like about food freedom and stuff like that you're probably going to get a sense of what diet culture is and what anti-diet culture is and I feel like once you kind of start like removing yourself from that 
diet culture. You feel like you have to be in this anti-diet culture camp, but there's like this in-between space where you don't have to fight either one of them. And it's been so magical for me. And I feel like you're there too, you know? Yeah. It's the most magical place to be ever because there is this moment and it's all rooted in social media and feeling like, you know, where do I fit? Where do I fit in all of this? And I know I've been on either extreme of things. Um, and I love Jessica Flanagan. We've talked to her about her. I know you've talked about her a lot and we talked about her on my episode with you, but she put it so brilliantly one day and I was like, she nailed it. She said, anti-diet rhetoric is just as dogmatic as the diet rhetoric, right? Like when you go from one extreme to the other and you're so high horse preachy that your way is the right way, it's still dogma, right? And so what I've noticed, and it took me, like this is very new for me. It's literally in the last year where I've, I've just kind of sat back because I'm like, I don't want to run off away from social media with this extreme pendulum swing of like, you have to pick a side. You're either in or you're out. Like. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Go for it. <laughs> fuck that, right? Like, fuck it. Why do I have to be on one side or the other? And I started to realize a lot of this is mirroring our culture, right? Like, politics are a mess and everything's just so, you're in or you're out. Pick a side. And if you're not picking a side, then you're with the bad guys. And it's like, that's that's not true. And to your point, it's like we can never know somebody else's story, somebody else's journey, and most importantly, their intentions. And so I never, ever, ever want want to um, dismiss somebody who's going through extreme disordered eating, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about it with your own journey. I do not dismiss that at all in any stretch of the imagination. And I think most women can resonate with some element of that, some element of disordered eating tendencies. To the extremes of what they go, it's unique to the individual. But that said, just because some women have that level of extreme relationship with food doesn't mean every woman who's approaching food has had that experience and has to fight those demons. And that's where I started to get confused along the way because I'm like, yeah, of course, I remember a time when I stopped eating because I felt like I was overweight and I didn't deserve to eat. But I had an, a moment and an awareness in that moment that it really didn't progress beyond kind of our typical diet culture mentality. So when I feel things arise or I take on a per, a, an approach personally to my eating, it would be really easy for somebody like yourself who has been through an extreme version of your journey to look at me and say, well, her eating is disordered. If she's cutting out all these foods and she's not eating a lot of carbohydrates, she's, she's disordered eating and she's perpetuating diet culture. Meanwhile, you don't know a goddamn thing about why I stopped eating carbohydrates before three o'clock. You don't know that. You have no way to know it unless you ask me, hey Beth, why do you eat that way, right? Yeah. And I can't, just for the sake of, I can't understand why for you, not you specifically, but for somebody like yourself who's been through extreme levels of disordered eating, who's had to take on a different approach to their eating than maybe somebody like myself has, I can't assume to know why you're making those choices. Um, and so I had to feel all the feelings. I remember when um, food freedom became a thing and hashtag balance was everywhere, and it kind of made me mad. It made me mad because I was like, oh, well, it must be nice to have a fucking donut on the weekends. I don't get to do that. Not everybody that's not eating a donut has disordered eating. Some of us choose not to eat it because we feel like crap. And then I was like, why is this making me so mad? Why does it make me so mad that this is how they're doing things? I'm like, oh, because it's, it's all about me. It has nothing to do with them. It's all about what I'm doing and what's working for me and what's not working for me. And that's why I'm always like, how about eyes on your own damn plate? Like, that's why it's my favorite thing to say now. Because I'm like, 
I can't know why you're able to eat a donut on the weekends and not feel like shit. You can't know why I can never eat a donut on the weekends and know why I do feel like shit. So like, we don't know what other people's what other people are going through and what their journey is. And so all we can do is hold space for people and keep our eyes on our own damn plate and just know that when we're making these choices and it goes back to what I said before, like ask yourself, why? Why am I doing this? What do I want? Is it okay? Is this rooted in love and trust and compassion? Okay, it is. Then what I'm doing is okay. If it's not those things, then you need to do a little bit of work. And that has everything to do with you and nothing to do with anybody else, right? Oh my gosh, yes. And I loved that you highlighted the fact that you were feeling triggered. And instead of thinking it was about the other people, you actually use that as your mirror and you're like, okay, why am I feeling so triggered about this? And if anyone listening to this podcast, if they're not doing this practice yet, like if anything in life triggers you, whether it's the way someone else is eating or behaving, whatever the case may be, if someone or something is triggering you, we need to really use that as our mirror and ask ourselves, why is this triggering me and really learn from that yeah it used to it used to be a hard question for me to ask because I thought am I jealous am I jealous that she can eat donuts all weekend and and does you know talk about gluten-free all week and then talk about how she can eat you know donuts on the weekend with gluten and hashtag balance like I could it was really hard for me to determine why it was triggering me and part of it was jealousy I was jealous that I didn't have that up, that I don't have the opportunity to do that, that I have some level of restriction that I can never get away from because of how sick it makes me. And part of me was looking at it like, I think it's an unfair message for people, but you know, we all find our people. There are people putting messages out every day that don't speak to me, so I don't follow them. And vice versa, I know a lot of what I say and share isn't right for somebody, and I don't want them to follow me if it isn't. And so, you know, we, exactly to your point, like you have to really be willing to ask yourself those questions and you really have to be willing to hear the answers because sometimes they're not that pleasant. <laughs> like, I don't want to think that I'm jealous of some girl that can eat whatever she wants, but th- the truth of the matter is that some days I am really jealous of people that have that, you know? Mm-hmm. We all have our own journey. Yeah, and still, you still feel those feelings. So how do you personally, like when you're feeling jealous of someone for the way they eat because we do have ladies listening to this podcast episode that do have certain dietary restrictions whether that be gluten dairy whatever it may be and when you're feeling really jealous of someone that they can be free with their food and eat whatever they want how do you work with those feelings within yourself yeah that's such a great question um a tool that I offer to my clients and my community, I think I did an entire podcast episode about it. Um, it's remembering that you've actually made these choices. So I just said all of that about like, I can't do that. I can't do all that. But the truth of it is, I don't want to. I can eat gluten every weekend. I would have explosive diarrhea and feel like garbage, but nobody's held a gun to my head and made me do this. I can, in fact, eat gluten and donuts every weekend. However, I have chosen not to because I've chosen to feel as good as I feel. I don't want to feel like crap. 
So it's actually a tool, like it's easy language, right? Like it's easy in the context of a conversation to say, I can't do that, I can't do that. But the truth of the matter is if you're really like, I say all this in passing because I've done the work, right? Like I have those jealous moments and then I'm like, haha, I bet they wish they knew what it is that they're eating that makes them feel like crap that they're unwilling to acknowledge. Like there is a little bit of me that's like, right, there's probably some level of disassociation with their body, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I have to go back to, you know, eyes on your own plate, but eyes on your own journey. Same thing, right? Mm. Like I have to go back to why I'm here. What is it that I'm doing? Why do I choose the things that I do? And outside of like, there's always extremes, right? Like there's the anaphylactic, like extreme level food allergies. And that maybe we could put them into the category of I can't, but there is nothing in my life that I choose not to have that I technically cannot I've just made a conscious choice to love and support my body in a way that involves ignoring those foods and leaving them out. Um, And, you know, it's time. I've been gluten-free for 15 years. And in the beginning, I had food FOMO everywhere I went. Um, You know, when everybody was having a delicious doughy looking pizza and I couldn't, like, of course I was a little distracted or sad or jealous. But again, I realized in those moments, like I could walk up to that pizza and have a piece technically Mm -hmm. if I wanted to. I don't want to. I don't want to feel like crap. Um, So I think it's just coming back home to yourself. It's coming back home to that awareness. Why am I doing this? What do I want? I can have all of these things. I just made the choice to not. And I think it's hard. It's hard when you're in the moment. It's hard for anybody to really remember that. But I think those tools again, going back to my original point, it's practice. It's just doing it in the moment and doing it again. And then it gets easier the next time. And just remembering why you are here right now. Mm -hmm. And I love that you did bring up like how we word things. Um, That's been huge for my journey and also my clients. Like, and I'm sure you can relate to this as well. If you have a client on a certain protocol and maybe they aren't able to eat certain foods, I know you run like MRT tests and whatnot, right? And I do believe that some people who run through protocols like that, you can approach it and feel really restricted because you're using that can't dialogue. And it's like, I can't eat this. But when you really tap into like, oh, I actually can, but here's my choice for this time being, it allows for like so much freedom and spaciousness. Like it just... I'm pretty sure everyone um, listening can just like feel that shift in how that feels. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So you are doing absolutely incredible work and I know you are talking about even more things as you do more certifications and expand your knowledge and things like that. So what's currently lighting you up, Beth? Oh man, that's a great question. A lot of stuff, but I think, you know, on a very simplistic level, I think it's really easy to get down rabbit holes of like what's trendy and what's working and like diets and, you know, non-diets and pro-diets and food freedom and all of these different words and things. But I think what I really try to remind my community and my clients of is, you know, we've used this word a lot in this episode, but is coming back home to yourself and that is with trust. And so I'm really 
just excited to help people learn how to trust themselves, to learn how to thrive without feeling like they're stuck in some sort of place that they don't want to be in. Um, while also honoring, and this is the thing, I think people think you have to throw one out with the other um, and they're not mutually exclusive, but while also honoring that there are foundational things that may need to be adjusted while doing so, right? So, you know, you had mentioned food sensitivity testing or elimination diets. You know, I think people think, Oh, trusting myself or finding freedom with food or finding uh, autonomy within my own approach is throwing everything out the window and just saying, what do I want? When do I want it? Cool. This works. No, like we can't ignore it. The fact that if your gut is imbalanced and there's pathogenic bacteria or a parasite or inflammation and you're dealing with leaky gut that's causing you to be super responsive to these foods that you shouldn't be super responsive to, that we also can't ignore that. And so I'm really excited to teach people how to use these things in cooperation with each other without really feeling like you're stuck without feeling like it has to be this forever thing, that there is only the option of restriction. Um, so I've been really kind of working with my one-on-one -on -one clients and using these foundational approaches. I like to call them like the pillars of our health, like the things that we're most focused on while also honoring trust, while also honoring autonomy, while also honoring how do I need to thrive? What do I need? What do I want? Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at right now is that in this messy time that we were kind of both talking about where it was like you're in or you're out, you're pro or you're anti, I felt like I had to pick a side and I've learned, I'm like, no, these things can coexist, right? Like we can work on our mental and emotional and spiritual relationship with our body and with food and still deal with underlying dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of incredible. We get to do both. And it's an amazing balance when you are doing both because that's when you get the results quicker. And that's when you get to the other side of all of this work and get to just fall into whatever it is that becomes your flow for sort of the long-term lifestyle that you're creating for yourself. Yes, I love that. And I'm so excited for everything to come from you and like learn more about trust from you and stuff. I feel like that's a really big like passion point for you right now. And I'm excited to see what's to come. But I have one more question that I ask every single one of my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Hmm. That's a really great question. And I feel like to, to wrap all of this up with a bow is it, it really is for me as trust. It's really when I'm trusting myself, I feel my most empowered. When I'm trusting myself, I cannot worry about what anybody else is doing or thinking or promoting or preaching or being anti. No matter what, if I'm living in trust, if I'm living in alignment with what I need and I'm honoring my autonomy that legitimately changes sometimes from week to week when I can really root into that trust I feel like I can do anything I legitimately feel like I could take on the entire world because nobody can tell you you are wrong nobody can when you are trusting what you need so uh, I think for me that's kind of what makes me feel the most unbreakable and it's been a journey to get here I'll be honest but it's pretty powerful to be on the other side of it too. totally and everyone listening can absolutely get there as well and they should come connect with you if they don't already hang out with you already on the socials so where can they find you beth 
Um, right now, everything is Tasty Yummies. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and all the places, but Instagram is where I'm most active. I use my stories every day to just kind of give people a little insight into my life. And also I like to share little mini lessons and opportunities to learn whenever I can. So that's probably the best place to connect with me. And then my website, tastyummies.com is all my recipes and all my articles and lots and lots of stuff to keep you busy. Awesome. Speaking of your recipes, I have a little bit of a challenge for myself this year because I can get in such a rut of just eating like salted like ground beef over and over again and like not following any recipes off the top of your head what one recipe should I try from your blog first I'll be trying more throughout the year of course well because I like simple these days but I also really love food that is traditional and reminds me of my family and like that's where my love of cooking came from um, I have a sheet pan chicken souvlaki meal that's like, it couldn't be any easier. You just marinate the chicken. You can swap out. The recipe comes with the opportunity to like potatoes or if you'd rather do cauliflower, um, put a little tzatziki on if you do dairy, some feta cheese, some olives. Like it's super simple. It's really, really pretty when you put like some red onions on it and some herbs. Um And that just reminds me of family. It reminds me of home. It's like, that's my comfort food and legitimate. Like anytime you can just throw something on a pan and put it in the oven. Like I live for meals like that, despite having like thousands of recipes in my archives. I want to make, because I'm the same. I'm like ground chicken, ground turkey, beef. Like I put it in a pan and then I put veggies. I'm like, cool, dinner. Yeah. That's a meal that I think makes you feel like you're doing something special. And it's not that much work. Yay. And I totally remember you posting that. So I will make that for sure. Yay. Oh, I'm sure I will. Thank you again for coming on the show, Beth. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me. This is super fun. The time just goes so quickly. 